Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. And I believe that this passage especially teaches us what we can do when our friend is grieving. And that's the title of the message, What to Do When Your Friend is Grieving. And I believe that God gives us some insights here. You may want to jot some things down. Maybe you have a friend who is grieving now. And you wonder, what can I do? How can I help my friend? And I believe Paul has some very specific answers here for us. Let's listen to what God says here. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Acadia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice how often he uses the word comfort here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as your, you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. May God bless us as we consider his inspired, his infallible word as it's here in his wonderful words to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Dear people of God, what do we do when our friend is grieving? Many of us have a friend, maybe a dear friend now, or maybe a relative who is going through a grief. And you know, grief isn't only when you lose a person in your life. Grief can come for all different reasons in life. I work at Park Place just across the street, and there are so many elderly people there who have not only lost loved ones, which is one way in which they grieve, but many of them have had to give up the home that they love, and they no longer in the same neighborhood that they were in before. And many of them have had to stop going to the church that was so dear to them. Some are from out of state that have moved here to be near a daughter or a son. And I see so many people grieving for so many different reasons. Often they have to give up their deep uh, friendships that they had that they no longer can continue to have the way that they were before. We have all different things that we grieve within our lives. But what do we do to help somebody else? And what does God tell us here in his word as we realize that grief comes to everyone at one time or another? But how can we at all be useful? And I believe that as you look here, and as I said, 
Again and again, Paul talks about comfort here. And the first thing we see tonight is that God has a plan, and God's plan is clear here of how we can help others. It's really in verses 3 and 4 particularly where it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. There's that word. And then it says, who comforts us in all our troubles. And so why is that? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. Now, if we just stop there and see what he's saying there, what he's saying is that we are able to help others as we have experienced God's comfort, as we've experienced him being with us, so we can also share that comfort with others. And we are God's plan to help them to experience what God has himself can do in their lives. Now that word comfort is the key word here. And in the Greek language, it's the same word that's used for the Holy Spirit when Jesus says, I will send the paraclete, the comforter to you. And what did Jesus mean when he says that in John 14, verse 16, you have the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. Well, paraclete means literally the one who comes alongside of someone else. Paraclete, coming alongside of someone else. Being there with them in their grief. Being with them and walking with them and beside them as they go through something that they don't need to face alone. And God's plan is for us to help one another as he has helped us in our time when we needed his comfort. And, and the truth is that, as many of you know, the person who often can help you the most when you need comfort is somebody who has gone through a similar experience. Now, no two experiences are exactly alike. But if one family, for example, has lost a child, and they hear about another family in the church that has lost a child. And they go to them and they say, you know, we lost a child too. And, and God was there for us. And, and let's talk about your grief. That person who has experienced something similar and no two are exactly like, is that person that God can use in a very special way to comfort others. As it says in verse 4, we are comforted by God in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others with the tr comfort that we ourselves receive from God. I think about how that happens sometimes when one person uh, goes through a tremendous loss of finances and all of a sudden their finances are wiped out. We had that recently in 2008 when so many people lost their businesses and when someone else can say, you know what, 20 years ago, I went through something similar. And all of a sudden, there is that ability to know that person understands the grief that I'm experiencing. I've seen it again and again when I was pastor at Orland Park Church when somebody would have a cancer diagnosed and there would be somebody else in the congregation who had experienced something similar and they would say, you know, I went through something like that. Let's talk. I want to be there for you. And so the idea in the Bible is that God's plan is that we walk alongside of someone. We can't change what's happened in their life. We can't fix it. And that's the problem for us many times. We want to fix it for them, and we want to give them the answers to their questions, and we want to make it all better. 
but the word comfort, paraclete, means the one who stands alongside of, the one who walks with you. And often the thing that we need the most is to know that God is there with us. And it's real to us sometimes when he places somebody else in our life who's received a comfort similar to what we need so much. Now, the second thing I want to mention, though, is that everyone grieves differently. So it's hard for us because we want to do the right thing. When our friend is grieving, we want to be helpful and we want to do something that will help them a lot. And sometimes we think that helping them means that we want to cheer them up. That's our goal, but that's not the goal at all. Comfort, paraclete, means walking with that person. And the truth is that one of the things we have to realize, and this is the second thing we look at as we try to understand what grief is, is that everyone grieves differently. People grieve in different ways and at different speeds and in totally different uh, times they act differently themselves. Sometimes they're in a stage of grief where they're filled with anger and we have to recognize that that's a part of grief. In fact, they say often that men, often when men grieve, they do one of two things. They get very busy with their work or with some project or something to keep them busy so they don't have to think about their emotions. And the second thing is that they're very angry. And that anger comes out sometimes passively, sometimes actively, but you just can feel it. Whereas for women, many times they do want somebody to listen to them and they do want to open up and they're more willing to do that. But you see, everybody grieves differently, men and women. People of the same family grieve differently and they're at different points in their grief. And what we need to learn is how it is that we can simply listen to them and walk alongside of them. We don't give them pat answers. We don't give them uh, the solution to how to make it all better because we can't do that, and that can't be our goal. We fail when we try to do that. But we, when we learn to take them as they are and to be with them through this terribly difficult time, you know, so often we're not very helpful because we're uncomfortable with grief. We're uncomfortable with somebody who is angry. We're uncomfortable with somebody who is depressed, and we think, well, I don't want to be around people like that. And so we kind of, we create a distance from them sometimes. We think, well, no, I can't do anything to help her. I can't do anything to help him. And our idea is that maybe the best thing is just to leave them alone for a while. And we almost want to avoid the grief. And we think, well, you know, I can't possibly fix it. And so I might say the wrong thing. So the best thing is just to stay away. No, that doesn't help at all. We have to understand that part of grieving and part of comforting someone else is to be willing to stand with them, even when they have a hard time even expressing what they feel. And sometimes just our presence with them can mean so much to them as we're willing to simply be there for them and listen to them. It's so sad that often we try to avoid times when people are uh, in grief. Sometimes we are so uncomfortable with it that we simply get far from them. And there are people that bury their grief within themselves, and yet it has to come out somehow. And at some point, they need somebody to walk alongside of them, to do what it says here in verse 4. 
It says, just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, verse 5, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And we can comfort one another, the Bible says. We can share in our comfort as God has given it to us. Now, I think a third thing that we have to realize is there's many things that are not helpful. What is it that we should not say? That's the third thing. What, and you might want to jot some of these down or think about them and think, did I ever do this with somebody who is in grief? You know, God is the one who is so patient with us. He listens to us. And he is the one who is always there walking alongside of us. But sometimes we need somebody right there with us so that we don't feel so alone in our grief. But one thing that some people will say to somebody, and this is not very helpful, is, well, call me if you ever need anything. That's not helpful. To simply put it on them, well, you call me when you're ready to talk to me, and then I'll come, doesn't help someone. Instead, it's so much better if you say, you know what? Let's go for a walk next, next Tuesday, next Wednesday. Let's go for a walk, and we can just talk. And you say, I will do this for you. I would like to come and talk. Or can I just come over, and we can talk. But to put it on them to ask you, you know that in a sense, that's, that's not very helpful because you're not helping them where they're at. You're making them reach out to you. Another thing that's not helpful is to say to somebody, and some people think this helps when they say, well, you know, you're going through a lot, but you know what? It could be so much worse. And you try to explain to them how much worse it could be, and that never is helpful to somebody. When somebody is going through grief and needs comfort, it doesn't help at all to say, but everything could be worse than it is now. They don't feel fortunate. They don't feel that this thing that they are suffering the the grief for is something that is to be taken lightly because something else could have gone wrong, which is far worse. And then another thing that is so unhelpful to people is to say to them, I know how you feel. Because you don't. You are not them. You may know something like what they feel, but to say, I know how you feel, kind of minimizes what they're going through. A far better thing to say is, I hurt because of your hurt. I feel pain when I see you suffering so much in your grief. And you see, what you do is you learn to focus on listening to what their situation is. It's not about you and how you understand. No one understands but God fully. None of us is walking in exactly the shoes of that person as they've lost in such a real way. But you can say, I really hurt because of what I see in the grief that you're going through. You hurt, but I hurt because you hurt. And then I think it's so sad because we want to fix everything. And so we kind of make predictions sometimes. And this is not helpful at all. But some people will say to others, well, you know what? You lost your mate, but you're young, and you'll probably get married again. And we make these predictions. Or somebody is so cruel that I say, you know, you lost a child, but you have other children, and you will probably have another one. You can never replace a child that's been lost. And we have no business trying to predict the future for others and trying to explain. See, we want ourselves to be comfortable. We want to help them. We want to fix it. And that's not what the Bible says to do at all. 
The Bible tells us about how Jesus was there to teach us, and also through Paul here, that we are to walk alongside those who are grieving. I think one of the most amazing verses in the Bible is in John 11, verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, just two words, Jesus wept. And he wept at the, the sight of the grave of Lazarus. And when Jesus wept there, of course, he himself knew that Lazarus had died. He had been dead for four days. These people were grieving. But I believe Jesus also felt the pain with those that he loved. And he knew, he absolutely knew what the future was going to hold. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that this would be that last of his miracles that would bring the soldiers to take him away and Judas betrayed him. He knew all of that. It isn't that he couldn't predict the future. He could have just said, I know exactly what's going to happen. This is nothing, but he didn't. He wept. And when it says Jesus wept, I don't think it was just that he had a tear in his eye as he waited before he would say, Lazarus, come forth. I believe he really wept from his soul as he saw the pain of those around him and as he also felt what their grief was. And that's the God who tells us that we are not to predict the future. We're not to say this wasn't so bad. It's interesting that um, I have my grandfather's Bible, and I looked through it. I was given it a few years ago, and I looked through it, and my grandfather and my grandmother, they had a total of, I believe it was uh, nine children, but two died. And as I looked at the names of all of their children, two died in infancy. They had a Johanna that died. And I never knew this before, but later on, they had another baby girl after he, uh, she died, and they named the second, that daughter, the next one, Johanna. Same name. And then they lost a John. And they named another child, John. And we would never do that today. It's almost like saying, well, this is the replacement for Johanna now. This is our new John to replace the old John. Every child is special. You don't replace a child. No one can replace a child that's been lost. That child is unique and special in the eyes of God and also for us. But you see, it never helps to try to say, don't worry, you're young. Don't worry, God will bless you with other children. Don't worry, you will probably get married. Don't worry, because we have no right to predict the future for anyone. God is the one who also tells us that it's not really helpful, and we don't see here where it says, and now when you comfort others, tell them, well, what happened, it was God's will. Now that's interesting, because sometimes we say that, and we think that will help them. And it, it, it's true that everything that happens is within the plan of God, there's no doubt about that. But the way in which we try again to explain what happened and to say, well, this is God's will, and now you must move on. You must accept this and move on. It's not helpful to that person in the middle of their grief because at that moment, they're not really asking why did this happen and expect you to answer it. They know that you can't answer. But the cry, why did this happen? And then when we say, well, it's God's will, why did this happen is a cry it's a cry for someone to care about our pain. 
It, it, it's a cry for understanding of how deep the pain is. And we truly know that just saying it's God's will does not take all that pain away. In fact, sometimes it hurts even more because that, at the time, doesn't give us comfort at all. But instead, God tells us that we are those who must stand with those who are in grief. Now, you might say to me, well, how long does this last in people? When is it time for them to move on, people say? You know what? In the Bible, there's no timetable on grief. My mother used to tell me that when she grew up in South Holland, Illinois, her father died when she was 12. And in those days, uh, they would put a black wreath or something black on their front door And people would know for a period of time that in that home there was grief. And if you walk down the street in South Holland way back in the early 20s and 30s, somebody had a black wreath on their door, you knew they were in mourning. People expected that it would take some time to go through grief. Some of you remember during World War II when they had a star in the window. If you had uh, somebody from your family that was in the service, it was a, 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 I believe it was a, a gold star, a white star, but if that person died, I forget which was which, but if they died, there was a different colored star, and everybody knew how many sons or daughters each family had lost, because there would be a star, they would change the color of the star if that, that son or daughter was lost, and they'd say, that family is in mourning. Nowadays, we have the funeral, about three days after somebody dies, and everybody kind of expects us to move on. They say that Queen Victoria, after her husband died, she never wore any color but black for the rest of her life. There's no magic answer to how long grief lasts. Somebody used to say, they used to hear, about a year and you should be moving on. There's no place in the Bible you find that. You see in the Bible where Job, when he is in such sorrow, he he tears his clothes as was the custom then, He shaves his head, and everyone knew he was in mourning as he shaved his head, so unusual for a Jewish man then, and he put ashes and sackcloth on. He he was in mourning, and people could see when somebody was in mourning. Now we just move on with our lives, and we expect that person in mourning to move on. The funeral's over, and sometimes we say, well, why don't you take care of all the clothes? So I'll do that for you. Some people come in, and they literally come in and take the clothes of somebody's mate and they get rid of them and say, well, I did that as a favor without even asking. Some people need to hold on to that for a while. Other people, they're ready right away. Everyone is different in how they mourn. But we need to be that person that walks alongside them. And if it takes them longer than others, so be it. Let them experience that grief so that they can move on. Now, I have a few keys to help you, and you may want to write these down. The first one is this. Don't stay away from somebody in mourning. We tend to do that. We tend to be uncomfortable. We tend to think, well, now maybe they're, uh, I don't know what to say, so I'm not going to go and say anything at all. I don't want to say the wrong thing, and so we stay away. People need us. We are comforted by God so that we might comfort others, the Bible says here. The second thing to remember, and it can help you when you help somebody else, is realize that grief takes time. That it's really hard work to grieve. Some of you know that. 
it's draining physically, it's draining emotionally, it's even draining spiritually as we work through that grief to get to that point where that healing of our hearts and our souls takes place. The Bible never said it wouldn't take time, but realize that we are to walk alongside of them in that time. The third thing that some people don't realize is that it's wonderful if you talk about the person who died with that person who's grieving. You know, sometimes we think, well, when we're together, we're not going to mention him because that would just bring sadness and we don't want to make her sad. So we're just going to have a great time. We're going to talk about everything else. But I, I would never think of even mentioning his name. No, you have no idea how much it means to somebody when you mention that person's name when you mention a memory you have of them and they know that that person is not forgotten, when they realize that that person continues to be an important part of other people's lives too. So don't be afraid to talk about that person. And don't forget, another thing to remember is don't forget those special days like birthdays or uh, the anniversary of the person's death or the holidays that come that people need special comfort somebody to walk alongside of them, especially in the first year or two. They need somebody who is there representing the love of Christ for them. And, and, and above all, listen. Just listen. Don't be ready with all the answers, but just listen to that person. The most precious gift that you can give to anyone else is your time. It's something that only you can give to them, and they value that as you do that. Joseph Bailey is a man who lost uh, his son and he was in a time of great grief in his life. And he says this in his book, The Last Thing We Talk About. He said, I was sitting torn by grief when I lost my son. Someone came and talked to me about God and why it happened and all about the hope we have beyond the grave. And this person talked constantly. He said things I knew were true, but I was unmoved except to wish that he'd go away. He finally did. But another person came and sat beside me. He didn't talk. He didn't ask me leading questions. He just sat beside me for an hour or more, listening when I said something, answered briefly, and he prayed simply, and then he left. And then he says, I was moved. I was comforted. I hated to see him go. Listening is sometimes the most valuable gift you can give your time to that person. And then as this says, another thing that is so helpful is to pray with that person. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. is isn't going to be a prayer that fixes everything. But pray with that person and let them know that you're praying for them. Never tell somebody you're praying for them if it's a lie, if you're not doing it. But let them know if you're praying for them, and it means so much to them. It means so much to know that someone cares enough to pray. And then I would say, too, that one of the most important things you can do, too, as you walk alongside somebody is think of specific things that you can do to help them. Think of ways in which you can help maybe with a chore that they're not able to do right now, or maybe taking them out for a walk with you that they wouldn't do otherwise, or maybe uh, some little thing that you can do that only you in a special way can give to them. 
it can be such a precious thing to know that we're not alone in those times of grief. Think of what would be meaningful to you and then do that to that person that you love.